saying how much they want a strong woman. What they really want is a cheerleader. I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Hello everyone and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 282 and you know what it do. It's Joseph Waddy Way in the booth with me, all my friends. So let me introduce you to the hymns. First up, we have Ifi Shakuda Ijiomawadi Way's favorite critic, and dare I say America's favorite critic, Alonzo Duralte. <laughs> what's good? Only you dare, Ifi Shakuda. Um, so, uh, what's good? I, I know this is the most basic answer on earth is bacon is what's good, but to be Ooh. more specific, uh, the big ass box of bacon that I was given as a Christmas present from my husband from Heritage Foods. Um, he arranged for it to arrive after we got back from our being out of town. And it was like just all these different varieties, some smoked and some cured and some uh, loin, uh, some pork belly, like all these kind of different things. And so they are they're in the freezer and one package at a time coming out and being enjoyed. We dug into the first one today and it was literal chef's kiss. I mean, does that man know you? Does he know you and love you or what? You know, I, I have always uh, wanted somebody on earth to give me the bacon of the month club and um, big ass box of bacon is right up there. It's the same vibe. Everything that you're saying is just a delivery twist away from deep euphemism land. <laughs> Ooh, I've always wanted someone who wants to give me a bacon of the month. Like, but I'm being right thuddingly literal, I assure you. <laughs> I, I I count on that. If everyone could see the friendly dad sweater that Alonzo has on, <laughs> it, it really helps sell the, the literal take of these as well. I know. I should be doing a fireside chat. Truly. Truly. <laughs> well, you know, that second voice you heard that is so pleasant and lovely that it can only be the queen of the Midwest. It's Drea Clark. Uh, what's good? Uh, mine is uh, holiday related as well. I My brother is stationed near Fort Hood, so my family went to Texas for Christmas, which means I got to spend a couple days in Austin with my dear friend Carolyn and by virtue of that, somehow finagled my way onto her Duolingo family plan. So my New Year's resolution I set for myself was Duolingo French lessons every single day. And I am on a 27-day streak. I don't know. I started a couple days before the New Year. Very proud. Vocabulary learning every day. And my accent still remains so horrendous, the Duolingo, because it has you, some of the things you speak back, some you write back. And every time I have to repeat things to it, I'm like, oh, God, it's not going to accept it. It's not going to accept it. My accent is just horrifyingly American. Ça va, Adria? Ça va, merci, et toi? Yeah. Ooh. Thanks. Ify, qu'est-ce que c'est bon? Oh, oh Alonzo, nice. flutter, flutter. Yeah, that is, that is uh, solid. Oh, what's good with me is, uh, you know, we just had Sketchfest. Many friends of the pods were there. It was a good show. I got to do... Um, Improv with Tim Meadows, which is which was wow. a dream, is a dream. Uh, but I think my favorite part is uh, Lamar announcing Tim Meadows. It was like you've seen him in SNL, you've seen this, and you've seen him in my favorite movie, Mean Girls. <laughs> I was like, that's 
That's the tin metals vehicle that uh, we're gonna bring him out to. That's the. <laughs> no, I mean, no, yeah, you, you should go right for the ladies, man. Right? Yeah, yeah, not ladies. <laughs> no, you know, not where he's the headliner. Yeah, no, he no, is mean girls. very good in Mean Girls. Yes, he is. I mean, he's always hot, but he has this whole like he's the principal and he has a cast on for similar to After Sun. You don't know why the man is wearing a cast. It's just there to, uh, you know. I hope a lot of people are comparing those two movies out there. Oh, yeah. That sounds delightful, though, if he. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. And, you know, he's still hot. I'll let you know that. I was, yeah. I, I was like, man, he's aging like fine wine. Still got it. Uh, today, we are going to be party hopping. We're taking a look at the new House Party movie that is in theaters now, and also the original House Party from the 1990s. So painfully so. Ooh, I still got some laughs, though. Later, <laughs> we'll be doing another round of Hall of Excellence, and don't be surprised if it's party-themed. But first, it's time for Itadick, our movie news segment where we answer the question, is this important? Do I care? And now you know what that acronym stands for. So, Alonzo, are you going to kick this off? I would be thrilled to. Thank you for asking. So, uh, sorry, Ify. I know you are a, a, a Regal front row Joe, but Regal Cinemas closing 39 theaters in Cineworld bankruptcy aftermath. You may recall Cineworld, Regal's parent company, filed for bankruptcy last year as part of its survival efforts. It is now closing 39 of its U.S. theaters. Regal has about 500 theaters nationwide, and the theaters that are closing are spread across the country. Is this important? Do you care? I actually note that this comes pretty close on the heels of Iffy shifting his allegiance. Yeah, I ah, think he recently know. say he was going I, I AMC. I did publicly say I was leaving the rowdy Regal Riders uh, and coming over to the. I wonder if AMC. the Regal stockholders. I know was going to say know, clearly yeah. the the Wall Street was a buzz when they heard I mean, that one. Too too close to be a coincidence. Too cl- <laughs> I would say too close to be a coincidence. <laughs> oh man, there's. It, yeah, I mean, just in in earnestness, in sincerity, yes. this is a bummer. It's yeah. when they say that this is across country, like these are there's cinemas closing in Anchorage, Alaska, Omaha, Nebraska, where plenty of my people are, um, small towns in New Jersey and New Mexico, in New York. All the news, all the news <laughs> are being hit by this. I don't know. I whatever. It's not like. They're only showing art house, or they're only showing whatever. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, I think for for theatrical exhibition, we're 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 entering, or we've been in, and we're still in a moment that is, I think, as much of a culture shock as basically like the fifties when the studios couldn't own theaters anymore, and when television came in, and you know, suddenly. You know, you you still see them in L.A., but like there's all those cities where like you have this gorgeous movie theater marquee and it's laundromat, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think we are going to be going through this big wave of, of theater closings, not just from Regal, but I know AMC is still dealing with some some financial stuff. And, um, you know, I, I don't think. It's, I don't think we're doomed. I think I think that you know theatrical isn't going to ever completely go away. But I think in the wake of the pandemic and the rise of streaming, um, we're looking at just this other shift. And so wherever we wind up at the end of this is going to be very different from where we started. Yeah, there's got to be a way to blame 
rich men, right? Can I not figure out, give me a moment and I will like do a a string design. But the idea, I like one of the facts that Marissa pulled from this was that the monthly rent per theater increased by nearly 30% in the last three to four years. And you, there, there must surely be a way I can dr- find a direct corollary. I think it's a late uh, stage capitalism in general, you know. Thank but you, it, Alonso. It is this this whole thing of like, yeah, we're just going to jack prices up because we can. Oh, we had record profits that last year. Too bad. You still are going to have to pay more for, you know, our goods and or services. And so yeah, so theaters had to go through this whole period of being closed, and now. For the same space they've been occupying, suddenly they have to spend all this extra money from before and coming off of a period of, you know, zero income, essentially. Yeah, I can see why they're screwed. Okay. Thank you for backing up my ill-prepared theory. <laughs> That's I, I like to know you're right in the pocket for that whenever I need it. And it's, I'll, it's I'll, I'll hear someone give a, a, oh, capitalism. Somewhere a white man is at fault. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, uh, huh? Nope. Speaking of movies, uh, <laughs> Zoe Saldana becomes the first actor to star in four films that have crossed the two billion dollar mark. It may sound like an arbitrary figure. It may be an arbitrary figure. Nevertheless, it's a fact and it's pretty impressive. Now that Avatar 2 has taken in $2 billion at the box office, it joins the first Avatar, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame in a special Venn diagram of movies that have raked in an obscene amount of money and movies that star Zoe Saldana. Is this important? Do you care? I think it's Saldana now because of the tilde. Ooh. She, she started adding that I'm, where she they wasn't don't, before. They don't cover that in my French Duolingo. That's true. Yes, not yeah. wrong. Wrong <laughs> Duolingo. I understand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so done, g- yeah. good. Good for her, and I hope it, it. It you know presents opportunities, but I don't know that the talent necessarily benefits from that. It's not like after being in the first Jurassic Park, suddenly everybody was clamoring to. To hand money to Sam Neill, you know, mm. uh, I, I they feel like, been. of course, but I think a lot of these franchises, <laughs> it's the franchise that's the star and it's obviously James Cameron who's the star, but people don't necessarily think about, ah, yes, Zoe Saldana can really open a movie, you know, uh, and not that she can or can't, but I'm saying, I don't know that she, I don't know what, how much re- reflected glory she gets to get from this, but nonetheless, you know, congrats. I would not look at those movies and have immediately come to mind oh you know what those have in common Zoe Saldana like uh, enormous CGI like the, it's it's not a something I would credit towards her well she's blue in two of them and green in the other two there you go and I always feel like anytime like it's a spectacle like Avatar there's all these like these these new accolades that are like this much and this and it's like you know shout out to movies <laughs> speaking of <laughs> you know uh but yeah i think this is just kind of yeah it's one of those things because i can see if it was like zoe saldana crossed the two billion dollar mark on this like you know her led face of the movie type thing that you're like oh damn like she sold that movie but it th- this movie is a machine uh, we, I think we all predicted it. This actually, we were unsure if the hype would carry over, and it did. 
did the people the people they were they were quoting whatever was said in that first movie in the line and uh and marching right into that second movie uh that is about the water version of this (laughs) um i will say it has been surprising because like a lot of like the film twitter people who are popping up on my timeline this is in recent years, the most diverse movie takes I think I've seen. I've seen people so gung-ho about this movie. I've seen people so against this movie. I've seen people so gung-ho about Babylon, and I've seen so pe- so many people against it. It's it like I'm like, this is an interesting time, and I wonder if this is the new wave of hyper-online film bro, where it's like, okay, we can have our own opinions, and we're going to like still die on that hill but it's not going to be very homogenous if there's anything people online like doing it's fighting (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) it's true you know what i want them to fight about is that i have a different four films for zoe saldana that i wished had crossed this Mm. line those movies of course are crossroads with britney spears sure center stage one of the best pictures ever made drumline (laughs) <laughs> need I say more and guess who the oh, remake wow. <laughs> of guess who's coming to dinner that how how those didn't talk how, two how, billion well, dollars look, how did the J.J. Abrams Star Trek not cross two billion because that's that is loaded with all the bells and whistles of this kind of movie and it's I would argue a better film than at least the two avatars and maybe even the Avengers <laughs> I like that and yes and also in those she is a human, human being colored. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, a real human being. Shout out, Nicholas. I got your back. Uh, <laughs> weirdest bromance. Uh, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how long this bit lasts. Oh, man. Well, you know, truly, I think the most powerful this segue will ever be Speaking of movies, the Oscar nominations came out this week. You've had a few days now to read all sorts of opinions about the nomination, but we are recording this on the very day the announcements were made. We could talk about this in all sorts of ways, but let's just take a few minutes to say what stood out to us. I mentioned this to you guys, but as a reminder... Um, our friend Pamela Ribbon, who was a guest on Petite Mama, and then her short film, My Year of Dicks, was my staff pick a couple weeks ago. She was nominated for My Year of Dicks. It's Woo! nominated in short animation. It is on Vimeo. I still think you should check it out. And now the entire Academy backs me up on that. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, the the I, I'm always here for the surprises, and we definitely, you know, had some this year. Uh, Paul Mescal for for. After Sun, uh, you know, I, I would have loved to see more nominations for that movie, but that he made it into the into the best actor category is a very big deal. And of course, Andrea Riesboro, um for uh, To Leslie, which is a movie that really was very much kind of a word of mouth campaign among movie stars basically uh from what i read mary mccormick is married to the the film's director and she sort of just went through her rolodex and got like you know her buddy howard stern to talk about the movie and got you know all these different actors to tweet about it and and look at it and uh it worked and so i think you know this is that the kind of below the you know surface you know stealth oscar campaign that is going to people are going to try and duplicate in years to come. Um, unfortunately, 
they weren't doing that kind of thing for either uh, Danielle Deadweiler or Viola Davis. And so I think we're going to be looking at the Oscar So White campaign revving up again, even though this was a big year for Asian American uh, uh, performers, thanks to everything everywhere. Uh, but I think there's, you know, for, you know, all the strides that have been made in recent years about black representation, particularly in the acting categories, clearly that pressure has to be kept on the Academy every year or they're not going to do it. I will back up. Andrea's performance in Two Leslie is phenomenal. She's nominated for a Spirit Award for that same role as well. Um, And that one, I was like, it it also was really heartening to me because that is a baby indie. That is oh, like yeah. that is the kind of film made by the people in my sphere that was made <laughs> for two dollars and a lot of favors and didn't have the money for campaigns and things. So it's it's been interesting. And also if you're not in this sphere, it is very possible you never heard about these people, famous people tweeting on her behalf or how that may or may or not impact thing. I agree with Alonzo, it will be funny to see who follows in those footsteps for years to come. But having it benefit the kind of performance that I find so special in a really small film that is always overlooked, that is always, to me, the kind of thing that makes the whole Oscars like, well, sure, these are all great things. No part of me believes you saw everything or credit, <laughs> you know, looked at them the same way. So I was happy for that. I was more surprised at Ana de Armas being... Yeah, nominated yeah, in that category for Blonde. That was the one that I'm like, yeah. you know, come they, on, did nobody see The Woman King? I mean, yeah. oh, oh, the pain. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I will cherish the 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 wins that we did get. Brian Tyree Henry getting yes. uh, the, the nod. You know, I, what, big, big boy, big boy hours. We're, we're doing good. <laughs> um, and uh, now, now I, I have to beg the question, if Brendan Fraser gets the award, the statue for the whale, is that the one good thing that comes from that movie? I think I think the fact that he has a nomination is already a good thing. Like yeah. I don't, I, I, whether or not he wins, I think it is a real sort of validation from the industry yes. that he is, you know, re- respected and appreciated. And I think it's you know whether or not he wins, I think it's going to lead to other opportunities for him. The, the the movie itself already did, I'm sure. But um, you know, all five of the best actor nominees this year are first timers. Uh, weirdly oh, yeah. enough, uh, Colin Farrell, Austin Butler, Bill Nye. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, I think that that for you know for for him for for Kihui Kwan for even like Jamie Lee Curtis I think you know we're seeing yes. these awards for people who have like paid their dues and have been around and are now kind of finally getting this spotlight you know and then alongside newcomers like you know Stephanie Hsu and 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 Austin Butler who just were dazzling. I concur, sir. Thank you. I hear you, sir. What I think is going to be the true mark for Brendan Fraser is if people actually start saying his name right across the board. <laughs> That's the real sign of I've made it. He's only been a, a marquee star for 40 years. Someday. Yeah. Someday. Know, would, 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 that was a real Berenstein uh, moment uh, <laughs> for most of us. Where it was like, Fraser. And then you read it and you're like, huh? <laughs> Oh, well, Fraser. well, well, well. Yeah. Who, who did that? Who ruined that? <laughs> who said it wrong and just got the ball rolling? Well, while we figure that out, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to throw a little party, a house party, uh, and talk about it. Two house parties. Two house parties. 
Hey, we'll be back to the show in a second, but today's sponsor is a really fun one. This episode is supported in part by Star of Magnolia. Star of Magnolia is a new film production company, and hopefully our listeners will help them realize their future filmmaking dreams. All right, like many indie filmmakers, creators Madeline and Carolyn um, have brought something together based on their friendship and their dreams of making films. They have been collaborating for 16 years since they were in the fifth grade. And together they even hosted a small film festival in North Bend, Washington, showcasing the films they've made over the years. Um, they're now taking a step up all of their skills and collaborations and connections and are launching their own film production company which is named after the street they grew up on their film king tara is currently in the works it will be their first feature film to launch the company and help them pursue the dream they've shared since they were kids i love this many of your favorite filmmakers started this way and these two are doing it right now so king tara is about a young woman who realizes there's a betrayal in the king's court and must decide if she will stand for what she believes in that could be the end of her kingdom or save the future of it. Mm. So if you want to support their project, go to their GoFundMe page. It's www.gofundme.com forward slash King Tara Phil. That's King, K-I-N-G-T-A-R-A-F-I-L-M. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Steve Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Alonzo Duralde. And today's movie is, well, not exactly a remake. Maybe more like a reboot of a series of films that started back in the 90s. You remember Walkman's AOL discs and uh, when we would wear our clothes backwards because of crisscross. Its stars aren't household names, which I'll, I'll get into that element, but there are uh, certainly a lot of household names in this movie. It was directed by South Central LA native Cal Matic, and uh, we'll kick this off by letting Drea, uh, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of the new house party? Okay, yes, and again, this is the new one, so we are following two BFFs, Damon and Kevin, they are wannabe club promoters, best friends forever, and and not doing so well. So they are cleaning houses um, because they're industrious young men, not not above uh, you know a good day's work. Um, they're they're not doing well, out of money, and about to like lose homes. Plus, um, Kevin has a daughter he is wanting to provide for. So when things go askew, they decide that the house they're cleaning, uh, which happens to, of course, belong to and be a star LeBron James, James, um, uh, they decide to host a big ass party at his mansion while he is at, uh, you know, a spiritual retreat in India. And, um, if that sounds like a totally different vibe from the first one, you ain't wrong. House party. <laughs> House party. Um, and, you know, we've also went back and watched the original House Party, which was led by Christopher Kidd Reed and Christopher Play Martin, uh, which was a popular hip-hop duo Kid and Play at the time. And I just want to kick that off by mentioning that in the sense that this movie, even though 
fun fact, the ori- the roles were originally written for DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, and oh, uh, yeah. that tracks. But then, uh, you know, they the backups were Kid and Play. And you had this movie that was led by these actual rap acts who you at least had a kind of cursory knowledge of and written and directed by Reginald Hudlin, which is on the black cinema, you know, Mount Rushmore. I say all this to say that, you know, this movie, you know, is is an ambitious in the bit that it is, you know, re rebooting because I, I agree it's not a remake, uh, uh, something that is in the annals of uh, black cinema and 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 is this like huge movie with, you know, two kind of seemingly unknown uh, leads and then kind of filtering a lot of people around them. Uh, I, you know, look, I, I'm old enough to have seen House Party in the theater, you know, when it came out, and, <laughs> and I was, and it was after college for me. But uh, I, but I remember like there was such a buzz about this movie. It might even have premiered at Sundance. If I, if I, if I, I might have that wrong, but it was definitely getting that kind of art house. Push, even though it was a movie that was playing in mainstream theaters. And I think that's because, you know, it's 1990. We're just coming out of the 80s. The whole John Hughes wave had happened. And those movies were whitey, white, white. And so now finally we were getting one that was, you know, it was, it was, you, you know, you had the, the, the rise of hip hop happening. And this was like an all black cast. And, you know, the Hudlins were, were like the, the, the new thing that everybody was excited about. And Kid and Play are really charming. And so yeah. that first one is the, like this really kind of fun, you know, one crazy night movie, which, you know, of course it's going to be. And it's, you know, about high schoolers, even though uh, as per usual, everyone's in their mid to late twenties oh at least. When, we, when so I rewatched, <laughs> yeah, when, I haven't seen this for a minute. And when I started it, the first five minutes, I kept saying, aren't they supposed to be high schoolers? <laughs> this high school cafeteria has more mustaches than an NRA convention. I was like, oh my god, how old is every single man in this movie? Uh, and thank you, producer Marissa confirms that this movie did in fact premiere at Sundance in 1990. Mm. Um, yeah, so if we get over that, you know, I mean like, and Tisha Campbell's one of the younger ones, but she had already yeah. been in school days at that point playing a college student. Um you know, it, it's a, it is a charming movie until, you know, it makes that third act decision, which is a thing that just happened in the 80s and 90s. You would go to a movie, you'd go to a critically acclaimed movie and then suddenly get a big face full of homophobia. Uh, and yes. uh, so that, like that, a whole musical sequence. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole yeah. scene I, around I, I, that. I, I, oh. I turned him away. I was like, is this is this a whole rap song dedicated <laughs> to not getting raped uh, in prison, prison yes, raped, yes. Yeah. and it are and it there was. aids jokes in it yes uh, there are yeah yeah he, there's a line of saying ain't no homo and then it ends at over him telling uh yeah. telling a group of men to suck his dick so i'm yeah. like yeah it's like send uh, a mix signals like what are you <laughs> but that aside, you know, <laughs> aside. <laughs> uh there's a lot to like in that one and this new one to me i think even reboot is putting it kindly this to me feels like we have this ip we have the title House Party and we have the generated goodwill of people's memory of that movie. So we'll just do another one and it'll be a completely separate thing. And had they come up with something more fun and interesting with it, I think I would have uh, I would have liked that. But instead, it's just sort of like it's it's 
it's a franchise cool. I don't even know. Like it, it, it is. It has you know. Apart from the requisite kid and play cameo, which of course we get in this. Um, I will say this: I do like Jacob Lattimore a lot. I think he's yes. super yeah. charming. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I think that he and uh, Karen Obalam, uh, who plays his girlfriend, have really good chemistry. I would love to see them like with a much better script. Um, but I think one of the things that, that I kind of sinks this movie for me is Tozen Cole, who plays Damon. He's the sort of like it, it's it's they they're they're kind of copying the kid and play for me of like it's the the nice good guy you know family guy and then the sort of the the ne'er do well you know the rakish one and the, to be the rakish one is fun to play and you know you have to be all seductive but the audience has to like you or else you yes. just come off as a dick and yeah. Damon kind of comes off as a dick for me so oh, yeah. that that kind of bothered me yeah I was you know what I, one thing I was doing when I was watching it was kind of just trying to map the kid versus play element and you know the thing about play is that he is like you know self-serving but he isn't like he still like is like he has so many redeeming things. He he yeah. tell he actually cares about kid. Like yes. the the fact that he went to rally the troops to immediately get him out of jail. The fact you know he's 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 like he's still trying to set kid up with a girl even though he wants this girl. Like it, it seems like there's a friendship there. And Demond just seems like a person that I'm wondering why he's hanging out with him. I was like this yeah. guy. He's going to drag you down at every turn. Yeah, exactly. And there's no point in which I'm on his side the whole movie, like at any point. And then I think it just really nailed in the coffin. We'll say spoilers because I definitely, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of straightforward of movie. But when you we see that he took the chain, that was kind of the nail in the coffin. I was like, oh, this this guy is just truly shitty and then in the end i don't feel like he redeemed himself in any way <laughs> like i know <laughs> and, and, and and like there's a whole thing where like oh they fight and then you know they have to make up later and it's like well yeah but i think the you know the the jacob Lattimore, you know kevin is totally justified in being pissed at you for like you know hiring like sex workers at this party that y'all are both supposed to be running and like running through your cash it's like yeah why why is that a conflict when one of them is clearly right and one of them is clearly yeah. wrong you know and i think an unspoken or or fundamental part of the original house party's success is how lovely their relationship is like yes. i I've, i like the description you both gave in terms of especially um if he's speaking of plays better qualities that yeah. he's you know he's flirtatious and all whatever but like at the end of it there's such a sweet-hearted element to the two of them and it is such a it's like proto super bad right it's this whole idea of it is and it's men being supportive and whatever and that's and there's something very appealing about that and when you describe house party it may not be the first thing that comes to mind but it's certainly i think something that resonates even on a non-verbal level with audiences and certainly did at the time and there is a toxicity to the relationship in the new one that just doesn't give you the same like oh i don't think you understood there's the sweetheartedness of, of what's going on with these two. Yeah. Um, and it also, I can see if I'm like, all right, it's years later. We have the, the house party IP. We want to do a tweak on it. I can see how do we make it our own, 
while, you know, referencing the whatever. But this is a, such an inversion. Because the yeah. other things that are special about the first one are the idea of, I mean, other than the fact that they're all 400 years old and that your, your, your trio, there is a trio of 45-year-old <laughs> uh, meathead thruple in this that is just like, to me, this beautiful queer... Yeah. muscle heads <laughs> who are just after these guys the whole time and that is how I will see it forever and thank them for it but those guys like even that is little silly right even all yeah. of those things the threats are silly the whatever and it feels like I don't believe any of them are in high school but I do believe this party mm -hmm. I know all of the people at the party are stereotypes I recognize like there's the, the guy who gets so drunk, they leave the party to take him home. There's no. people who are hitting on, like, the, you know, someone keeps hitting Martin Lawrence's breakout role. Like, they keep yes. hitting his DJ stand. Like, there's all these things that you're like, oh, we took the time to give you little vignettes. The, the girl who the wants party. snacks. Yeah. I love that girl. I love that girl so much <laughs> that he lies to her about the snacks. But then in the new one, I'm like, oh, this you cared about, like, gloss. Like, you're giving me, like, oh, check out all the extras at this party. Well, not yeah. and look the at all the characters we built. And the celebrity cameos, which are generally not in and of themselves funny. And I think this is a general rule. Any filmmakers listening, just because you have a celebrity cameo in your movie, you then have to give that celebrity something funny to say or do. Uh, because, like, you know, you look at House Party, and I'm sure at some point they thought, all right, we've got all these, you know, quote unquote kids in the movie uh, but like we're going to throw in Robin Harris we're going to throw in John Witherspoon these sort John of like you know these these great sort of elder yeah. statesmen of comedy to you know have come in do a bit and, and go off you know and here you've got all of these these like celebrities and they like every so often though something funny will happen but for the most part it's like we're just supposed to go oh look this person showed up isn't that yeah. great you know and, and, I, and i and i don't want to sound like a hater uh because this is going to be my next point of something you said where you know the, a lot of the people in the original were like established comedy f people and some of the comedians in here are, are people I do know, like Jamar Neighbors, Chinadu Unaka, uh, um, Teddy Ray, rest in peace. And those guys are given the tiniest kind of roles bits. And then these Instagram comedians <laughs> are the ones who are in the forefront doing essentially their Instagram bits online. DC Young Fly is, I think he is more bigger than Instagram. I think he's an actual comedian. He's been on Wild and Out. But I think, once again, even his bit, his game, if we're, now we're going to just talk shop. His game is that he's this DJ who goes too crazy if he gets drunk and he doesn't smoke weed because that just sends him on another level. And obviously that happens, but it isn't exciting or fun because it just kind of creates this roadblock that shouldn't have happened. And I think even just the base premise of this movie was too larger than life. And they are, it seems like they're trying to match the camp cartooniness of the first one without the reason it works is because the, the, the 
the blueprint is so grounded that you can blow it out. But you already have this really hard premise that you somehow uh, are able to use LeBron James' house that probably has all these cameras. You are somehow able to invite all the friends in his iPad that he left there for some reason, and none of them check in with LeBron James before showing up at this party. His own teammate, Anthony Davis, is at the party but didn't think to text him. You know, it's. It, I was like, this all, it's so hard to follow because it just is already so blown out yeah. and then you have all teenagers these, like, throwing a party is a concept you can follow you know? yeah you can yeah. follow and it didn't need to be at lebron james house you could have had the same premise be at a house and shove the celebrities there but it just was so hard and i think the only celebrity that really kind of rocked it and i'm going to give credit because he did a whole season of comedy bang bang is going to be scott miscuti kid cuddy who really had this very weird weirdo bit that just immediately work from the beginning the walking away and following him bit was so funny and it ended so quick i'm like no no this bit is one that you can <laughs> run into the ground like every other bit yeah. and it'll be funny because it's just so simple because um, he's also a full character though right yes. like it's i mean he's playing a fictional version of himself but it's a full it's not just the let's go watch them smoke up a koala bear. It's instead, you know, a whole like, oh, he's going to do this. We're going to follow him to this other nonsense place. I, I do want to give this movie credit for two things. One, Kid Cudi's sweater, which I want. Yes. Uh, and then also the entire Illuminati sequence, mm. which is far too short and is the funniest thing that House Party has to offer because it, it is unhinged and yes. and loony in a way that the rest of the movie could sorely stand to be yes it was so good it was a great cameo for the original kid in play mm. it, it it like that moment when, when that guy tries to set a plan and his head is cut off it i'm like this is this is the realm right here this is the yeah. like it, it was very it was very quick. I'm, um, Dare to be this. Yeah, it, it's and and what what's funny is it would have probably been even funnier if you would have been able to ground the other elements of it because then it'd be a Harold and Kumar esque. How did we get here? Sure. Moment. Sure. Um, but yes, uh, I I think there are a lot of fun moments in this movie. I and those ones, like I think we've all said, weren't explored enough. But I think you're you're right. I think it was leaning heavily on the names and the celebrity cameos when it had a chance to be funny on its own. Also, I, um, the two leads are, I, I kind of said like newbies, but you know, J Jacob Lattimore and Tosin Cole both have had like very strong leads, uh, Lattimore on the shy. And, uh, um, actually, uh, Tosin was in till, uh, which, you know, go listen to mm. that review. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the performances were great. I just don't want to see another, you know, civil rights, uh, pain trauma movie. Uh, and Jacob Lattimore is so good. I don't even uh, resent him for being in collateral beauty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these guys were good. And, and now that you said it, it, that really is what it is, what it was for me, Alonzo, because you're right. These are two great actors. And I'm wondering why I don't feel the chemistry the same way that you want to in a house party movie. And, it, and, and I think it all kind of starts with demand being 
this person that you like the the fictional chemistry isn't there. Like it doesn't yeah. matter the chemistry as an actor. I'm as not blaming actors. the actor. It's yeah. how the character is it's, written. It's the character is the it's the fictional chemistry where you're like this person would not hang out with this person. Yeah. Uh, so the other the only other thing I'd mentioned in comparison thing from the first is rewatching the first house party and looking at the two white cops who are um, we regularly come back to in the narrative as they're harassing different black people yeah. in this neighborhood. I was like, good God, how long ago was this movie? Yeah, Why we're playing this, this for laughs. Literal, <laughs> but it's also like they could have put the entire cops, every one of that could have gone into this movie without me blinking, without me being like, oh, I don't know. Is that like, it's the exact same commentary could be made now, but they well, sure. didn't try for anything like that. Like, there's no attempt of even, oh, we're going to continually ground this. There's no reason in that first Taurus party for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they have so much goofiness. The idea that there's a recurring theme that these white cops are just, like, egregiously targeting this neighborhood. It's it's a really interesting extra layer to it. Here's how you know the, the, the new house party is, like, they're just kind of throwing things at the screen to see what goes. There's a whole setup where Damon takes the keys to like is it a Porsche or whatever, like this this super souped up sports car that is in LeBron's garage. He drives it to like this bodega to buy, you know, like cheap booze basically. And then he's talking to these girls and they're like, ooh, you know, how fast does it go? And he's like, well, it's easier for me to show you than to tell you. And you think, oh, okay, now there's going to be a sequence where they're in the car and they race and they either get chased by cops or they get into a something happens. No, it, it is we never, we cut away from it and never see the car or that woman again i'm like okay movie you really just were like desperate in the in the in the editing room being like we just gotta we need 84 minutes <laughs> go yeah. you know 84 minutes oh my gosh can we vote on this thing yet? yeah yeah go ahead. <laughs> How's that? um i'll go first this is yeah it's a skip it for me but i will tell you fun fact the cinematographer in this, Andrew Hipshire, is he my high school boyfriend from White Bear Lake, Minnesota? <laughs> sure is. Is he a lovely man in, what? who is currently engaged to his longtime boyfriend? He sure is. <laughs> Am I thrilled for him and hopes he keeps working? I really do. Good for you, Andrew Hipshire. Very proud. Yes. Make it White Bear proud. <laughs> yeah, I'm a skip it as well. And I actually read an interview recently with one of the producers talking about how they had managed to work it out with Warner Brothers that they wouldn't wind up in the negative zone with Batgirl and Scoob and all the movies that got, you know, like unreleased ever. And I just thought, really, this gets this not only gets to exist, but gets to exist in theaters, not, yep, in, not just yep. like straight to HBO Max. And I would swap this movie for Batgirl in a heartbeat. Nanosecond. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Shout out to all the homies, uh, Shakira, you know, Chinadu, uh, J Jamar, uh, Teddy Ray. And I mean it, not just because I said it, you know, uh, y'all held it down. Y'all, you know, a lot of y'all parts made me laugh. Uh, and, you know, your, I, your I, good friend Maya, if you don't forget. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't I, I? I sent a text to the guys in White Woman. I was like, if you ever catch me writing a script, where I write Maya falls in love with me, you have my permission to close the lap book, laptop 
and say that I'm too lost in the sauce because come the fuck on. Amazing. It's a skip it for me. Uh, a very rare. A very, very rare if you should But, but skip stream it. the original house party. It's on HBO yeah. Max. It's on Go HBO Max. Just uh, fast yeah. forward through the jailhouse scene. No, no, no. no. Watch, watch the jailhouse scene. It is very educational. You should know that that's the kind of thing you could put in a movie and nobody would blink. That's fair. Yeah. Burn calories cringing yeah, over yeah. the jailhouse yeah. scene. Yeah. Do your kegels. Over that and every F word dropped. I was like, damn. Because, yeah. you know, we've done revisits to classic movie and usually there's like one and you're like ooh in this movie I was like you you went for the record uh, <laughs> I mean and, and look you you look at a lot of mainstream films from the 70s and the racism and sexism is off the charts so you know I'm not I'm not saying this is anything unique or special about Hollywood's past oh. but boy howdy in this one here we are <laughs> look as we always do we will point it out and let you know <laughs> no matter <laughs> No matter where it's coming from. Uh, like I did with uh, even Romeo Must Die. Come on, y'all. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be right back after we hear from another show for Maximum Fun. Hey, let us guess. You love books, but wish you had more time to read. Or maybe you used to read a lot, but life has gotten in the way, kids, grad school, you name it. Maybe you don't know where to start and bookish social media is overwhelming. How do people on TikTok read so many books? Oh my God, I don't know. And maybe you've been reading the same book for six months and now it's permanently attached to your bedside table. Maybe you don't even know what you like to read anymore. We're reading glasses and don't worry, we got you. We'll get you back into reading and help you enjoy books again. Reading glasses every week on Maximum Fun. When was the first pregnancy test made? How many things have we left on the moon? What's the history of ASMR? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive blah, 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 blah. Mm, Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say fuck. <laughs> Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Sophie Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Drea Clark. Oh, I was waiting for a third person, uh, <laughs> but it is just the three of us. Just <laughs> the. Three of us. Okay. Well, get ready because it's time once again for us to bring forth nominees for our hallowed maximum film Hall of Excellence. The Hall of Excellence is where we honor the people, the places, and the things from cinema history that we have deemed worthy of eternal commemoration. And today's category is Greatest Movie Party. We'll each present our nominee and explain why our candidate deserves its spot. Oh, look at that. Nothing better than a silent pause. Who's going to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. If he... Oh, now, of course, we're, we, we, are we imagining that 
We are, if we go to this party, we are uh, we are of age of the general party goers. We're not yes. just yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Because mine is of course the party and can't hardly wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I love you know I lo- those movies were just the movies I saw as I marched towards senior year, and I never there never was a senior year big party. So I'd love to relive a specific party because you know i'll find my eyes wide shut you know tomorrow i'll get you an eyes <laughs> wide shut party i'll find you know a babylon party uh you know i'll find but you know what you can't get is that high school graduating party if you missed it you missed it and i missed it so i want to go back so i'm going to can't hardly wait what i want for you for that iffy is that in the version where you go back you are the one who end up Stuck in a bathroom with Seth Green's character, not Lauren Ambrose. I want Seth Green's character to have to deal with you in the bathroom as you look through his weird sex fiend backpack full of, like, lube and condoms that he does not use. And then also his weird outfit and and the goggles. very, the go- very oh, the interesting go- oh. accent choice. The goggles with the gelled hair. Mm. I can't even tell. I loved that movie and my like dreamy eyes over Ethan Embry's soft boy in that. (laughs) Get out of here. See, this is a generational thing because I think, I I mean, yes, that's a fun movie and a fun party, but I I just think of it as being the more updated version of the 16 Candles party. But that's a movie that is like. So problematic in so many ways now that we I can't really pick that one. But I have another super problematic movie that I'm going to recommend. Uh, and that would be, um, and, and, and it's in the title, it's Blake Edwards of the Party, um, which stars Peter Sellers, admittedly, in brownface as an Indian actor who gets accidentally invited to a big Hollywood party and um, chaos uh, ensues and and things get destroyed and there's you know soap suds in the indoor pool and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, the thing about this movie is that it is really funny. I mean, Blake Edwards is, is making I think as close as anybody has gotten to an American Jacques Tati film. And as much as the fact that yes, the center of it is Peter Sellers playing someone from India. People in India love this movie. I, I according to the wiki page, huge hit over there. Indira Gandhi has quoted this movie in public and Satyajit Ray, one of the like legendary Indian filmmakers of all time, wanted to make a movie with Peter Sellers with Peter Sellers playing an Indian character. So who am I to say if India loves Peter Sellers as an Indian that he shouldn't play one? I don't know. In any event, however you want to work around that bit of business in the middle the party itself is just this hilarious escalation of like small things that become bigger things that become bigger things so many sets ups and sets ups and sets up setups and payoffs <laughs> attorneys general uh so many setups and payoffs uh, uh such a like perfect like super modern of the moment ninth late 60s hollywood house for all this chaos to be uh taking place in claudine langey sings a song i mean what else do you want so yeah the party so it's interesting your segue there alonzo because i am not afraid of it and absolutely my pick is 16 candles (laughs) if i'm looking at the hall of excellence if i think of a house party and I'm not looking at the movie we just discussed, the old one, the 1991. 
Um, uh, 16 candles. That's it. That's sure. where you're, you're measuring everything else against. Um, I'm going to just consider the house party part of it because it is before our, uh, leading man gives away his drunk girlfriend yeah. to an underage, uh, kid with no license. I- I'm ignoring that part. <laughs> um, but you have so many like physical comedy bits, so much nonsense, nerds being packed into a trunk. We have a pizza on the turntable. Turntable. <laughs> we have Anthony Michael Hall under the coffee table. Like it's a like a believably rowdy, ridiculous party, and then also a very believable, ugly aftermath of oh, who's going to clean this nonsense? It's yeah. It is the whole time I was like, I don't. I feel like we're falling short. That's how I felt at every high school party. I, oh, I, you guys, I have, we're I, really not doing it. I remember watching that movie with girls and the scene where Carolyn's hair gets cut yep. off in the because oh, yeah. it's stuck in the door. You would think they were watching like a Sam Peckinpah movie. They yes. reacted with such horror, such visceral yeah. like aghastness that this thing was happening. Um, it's the best. And is it? It's Jamie. Um, Oh, crap. Uh, Gertz. Gertz. Yes. And she's one of them. She's like, Carolyn, honey, hold on. And she thanks her for doing it. It's so great. Like, there's so many good bits. And then yes. Jake Ryan disappears to his room, calls Samantha's, gets the, he's like accidentally prank calling the grandparents. Like, every bit of it. Uh, oh, and Anthony Michael Hall, like, making martinis while they're listening to Sinatra in the kitchen <laughs> is a pretty great moment, too. They have, speaking of it, it's, it's, it's the other, um, my my uh, gym going thruple in house party has white compatriots in this, mm, with this yes. and they also are wearing weird overall choices and making like a beer tower to the gods. It's I mean, 16 candles. That's how a house party should look. <laughs> Can't argue with it. Yep. All right. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, you guys should vote for mine, but uh, out there, if you're listening, vote for mine. And of course, Marissa, when she puts these choices on the Facebook page, she will not allow write-ins. No write-ins! Get your get, get your, your nonsense own out of here. Yeah. <laughs> this is our hall of excellence. Down here. Up there, it's yours. But down here. It's up to you. Head to the Facebook group and vote for the party that you think deserves to live on in our hallowed hall of excellence next week we'll let you know the results that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film and now it's time for staff picks it could be any movie at all okay this one i'm psyched about and the minute that this movie that i started re-watching the original and then saw the new house party the whole time i was like you know what i can't wait until i finish these assigned movies so i can go re-watch steve mcqueen's lover's rock from mm. Small Axe, which is my staff pick for the week. Nice. Lover's Rock is the house party movie within those. And it's so good. It was so good rewatching it, too. You will feel like you're at a house party. Yeah. If it, it, it's not as um part of the sort of cultural identity of 16 Candles, so I didn't want to play it for the <laughs> Hall of Excellence. But... Maybe we could get it there. I think more people need to watch it. It will make you so happy. It's deep. It has like actual interesting things. But it will also, the comparison of that, of a, of a party that feels like fully textured and characters that are recognizable and like sweaty moments where you feel like you're in the party. 
and then House Party 2023, you'll be like, no, that's oh, not. No. That's that's not how she. That's not how that works. And Criterion so, yes. just announced they're putting all of Small Axe out on Blu-ray in a few months, which I'm very excited. Oh, about. hey there! Because nice. you know, I think there's always concern when something premieres on Amazon Prime the way this one did, or Netflix. Like, well, is there ever going to be a physical? So yeah, the we and we did two episodes devoted to those movies, and Lovers Rock is definitely one of the highlights and and yes absolutely a great party that you feel like you are attending uh so in the oscar announcements that came out this week um up for short film a film called le pupil which you can watch right now on disney plus is director alice Rohrwacher. and uh i'm a huge fan of a film of hers from 2018 called happy as lots of row it's streaming on netflix and you should check it out it is about uh Lazaro is just a is a sweet guy and he and his family are peasants and they work the land and what we come to learn about where and why and how they work the land is something of a surprise um, but they manage to persevere and it's just a really lovely movie that goes into some unexpected directions but uh, Rohrwacher I think is a really um, uh, you know humanely and spiritually attuned filmmaker when it comes to her characters and presenting the world they live in. I'm looking forward to seeing Le Pupil. I've been meaning to. I understand it's a Christmas movie. Uh, and it's d- produced by uh, Alfonso Cuaron. And like I said, it's on Disney+. Plus. But her, her previous big feature, Happy as Lazaro, you can watch on Netflix. I back you up on that, Alonso. Thank That's you. That's a good one. That's a good one. And, you know, I'm keeping it simple and uh, keeping it on theme and saying, uh, if you're watching the original House Party, why don't you throw in Class Act? Class Act! Uh, If you need more bullies and crop tops, they have it. And, you know, uh, same, same. uh, This was your your common mixed identities in school uh, trope. And, uh, you know, it was fun to see a kid lean into being the good old boy and play lean into being, you know. Is there, a, is there a chase in a museum in that movie? I have, uh, yes, there is. I have the <laughs> vaguest recollection of seeing. Kind of like, and I will say this, uh, House Party 2, if nothing else, go to YouTube and watch the video for the Tony, Tony, Tony song. Because it slaps. Yes. Solid pick. Well, mm, Dre and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show. It's always a blast riding with you. And you, listener, thanks for sitting through and listening to us talk that shit. If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum Film. Or send us an email at Maximum Film at Maximum Our producer is the wonderful Marissa Flax. Part of scene producer is also wonderful and always updates us as she listens through the episode in a text group, Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.